Uh, the messages I'm going to bring uh, during the Christmas season this year are a series on Fear Not. Uh, Do Not Be Afraid from the Christmas uh, passages. And this morning I want to look at a prayer um, or a passage where the angel Gabriel says to Zechariah, Do not fear. And um, so we're going to look at that from Luke chapter 1, uh, starting at uh, verse 5. I want to read that. You may follow along in your Bibles if you'd like. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving as priest before God. He was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people to Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of their parents and the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. Men, you need to pay attention to this. Um, This is an old, wise, righteous man who doesn't refer to his wife as old. He says, you're well along in years. Um, (laughs) The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at your appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. And after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me. She said, in these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Now, the key text that I want to uh, focus on this morning is found in verse 13 there, where the angel says to Zechariah, do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. I read uh, some lengthy comments in an online commentary that I like um, this week uh, from this passage. 
And uh, there were, it was kind of surprising as I looked at the, the comments, there were a number of people who wrote just some stories about their life uh, flowing from this passage. And uh, basically there were people that were talking about their disappointment with God and their frustration with God, and they began to tell their stories. And one person said that they had become jealous um, of those who always seem to win uh, the Christian lottery. There are, there are people who just seem like they pray and they live right and everything just goes well. And of course, you don't see everything in their life, but you think you do. And so there's people out there that just, you know, things just work for. And so they, this person was writing, just said, you know, I've come to the end of my life and I'm just jealous of people who have won the Christian lottery you know, everything seems to go their way, and God's always on their side, and it doesn't seem to work out that way for me. I pray, and my, my prayers go without effect. Another person wrote um, about being continually molested as a young child, and then growing up and becoming an adult and going on, and, and life turned from one hardship into another, and, and even though they tried to be faithful to God all the way through it, um, they, were, they were at a point where they were beginning to lose hope in God. And then another one wrote, a mother wrote of losing a child and dealing with suffering and disease and cancer and, and never seeming to find any relief in prayer in her life. Well, I'm not going to stand before you today and tell you that I have any fancy three-point sermon that remedies all of that or explains all of that or anything else um, for those troubling disappointments that we have with God. I can. I, I can't promise that the most pressing prayer in your life is going to get answered the way you want it answered, even if you wait until you are as old as Zechariah to have it answered. Um, but I can tell you this, the Bible never, ever promises that the Christian life is fair. The Bible does not promise that the Christian life is fair. Do you remember when Peter had failed, denied Christ three times, and Jesus went to restore him, and Jesus said, you know, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. And after the third time, uh, Peter got the message. And then, and Jesus said to him, you follow me. <laughs> and at that moment, Peter caught sight of the beloved disciple John. For whom, sure, I'm sure Peter kind of looked at and thought he was the Christian that won the lottery with God. You know, everything went his way and he was the, the favorite of the disciples and all of that. And Peter caught sight of John over there and he, he turned to Jesus at that point and he said to Jesus, what about him? Because Jesus had just told Peter how his life was going to end, that if you follow me, you are going to be crucified. And Peter said, what about him? Will it end the same way for him? Does, <laughs> is it fair? <laughs> and Jesus answered, if I want him to remain 
until I return. What difference is that to you? You follow me. We don't like that kind of theology. The fact is, it's biblical theology. <laughs> not everything in life is fair, and not everything in the Christian life is fair. The bottom line is this. Regardless of the circumstances of your life, Jesus is calling you to follow him. Regardless of what you're going through, regardless of what your life entails, you Follow me, Jesus says. That greatly disturbs our American sensibilities. We want everything in life to be fair. And there isn't a lot of that around. In the unfairness and in the injustice of this life, we are reminded from the Old Testament that God is both the God of Esau, who was the firstborn, and Jacob, who was the second born. He is the God of both the cheater, <laughs> Jacob, and the cheated, Esau, from Genesis chapter 25. He desires a relationship both with Esau and with Jacob in the midst of all of that. And that he desires a relationship with every one of us regardless of how fair we perceive our lives as in comparison to other people. But Jesus said, don't look around you. What is that to you? What I do with so-and-so. You must follow me. The very best thing you can do with your life is to trust it to God and see what he does with it. I grew up my first job off the farm. Well, I was still on the farm, but um, during the summer, after I milked the cows in the morning, I would go to work for a neighbor, a Virgil Petrick. He'd never been married. He was probably about 55 at the time I started working for him, and his mom was still alive, and she cooked all of his meals for us. And um, I ate a lot of um, goulash on top of mashed potatoes, which strange thing, but we ate that a lot. And it actually is pretty good. Um, <laughs> you wouldn't dream so. But anyway, that's, that, I ate that. I remember that a lot. But she had one of these little sayings that she used. I heard it every day we walked in. If he said anything about a tractor breaking down or something else happening or something about a neighbor or this or that, her comment was, it's the berries. Life is the berries. <laughs> and, and I think of that every now and then. And, you know, the thing I want to say to us is that when life is the berries, I would rather experience the berries with God than without him. And shouldn't that really be our response to life? that regardless of whether you, you win the Christian lottery today or not, or whether your life is just the berries, the fact is you want to experience life, regardless of how it is, with God rather than without Him. And we always want God in the midst of our life. 
regardless of how fair it is or regardless of how we perceive it compared to other people. But it is difficult. It is difficult for us to see the big picture. And sometimes some of that we don't see till we get to heaven. It's difficult for us to perceive and to process much of anything beyond what you and I can see and touch and smell and taste and all of those kind of things. It's difficult for us to be patient when it is us who is suffering or it is loved ones who are suffering. But there is coming a day when God is going to right all wrongs and pure justice will be administered from his throne. So we come to this text today and we find Zechariah and Elizabeth. They have served God faithfully for decades at a time when no one heard a word from God in some 400 years. Ever feel like God is silent to you? Ever feel like you go through seasons of your life when you just don't hear anything from God? Try on 400 years for size. See how you like that. God was silent. He sent no prophets, nobody between Malachi and Matthew. 400 years of silence of Jews going through all the motions and and making all the sacrifices and doing everything they could and without ever hearing a new word from God. Nothing. Stillness. Silence for 400 years. On top of that, during that same 400 years, the Romans became more and more and more oppressive. Life became intolerable under the cruelty of the Romans and the wickedness, especially of Herod. Yet, Zechariah and Elizabeth, serving as priests who hadn't heard from God, hadn't been able to speak a prophetic word from God, they were faithful. They were blamelessly obedient, the scripture says. They were righteous. One of the biggest challenges of life for us is in those times when it doesn't seem like God is moving or stirring and life is not going very well. It's the berries. That is when Satan whispers in our ear, you might as well do something else with your life. Why continue to be righteous? Why continue to be obedient? Why continue to be faithful? And Zechariah and Elizabeth, even after 400 years of silence from God and the increasing oppression of the Romans, wow, They continue to be obedient and faithful and righteous. On top of that, personally, their lives were not what they had hoped. They lived in a Jewish culture, and this is just, it's hard for us to conceive of this, 
but they lived in a Jewish culture that literally frowned on anyone that was childless. And, and in fact, they went so far as Jews to make you feel like if you were childless, it was because God was against you. It's pretty hard to stay righteous and blameless when you feel like you're being falsely judged by other people. (laughs) Having Jewish offspring was so important that in Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 5, it commanded a man, if his brother died, it commanded him to go marry his brother's wife and have children for her for his brother. Because that was that important in that culture. And so our text would indicate that Elizabeth may have even taken on a little bit of a spirit of self-condemnation that she had kind of absorbed from the culture around her from the very last verse I read. They had prayed for a child. But as the decades went on, they quit praying admitting in their hearts and in their lives that God's answer was somehow unexplainably no. And now they were old, or well along in years. But they would not decide to quit being righteous and blameless and obedient, even in their disappointment. (laughs) Zechariah's name means Jehovah has remembered. But it did not appear that Jehovah remembered. We all have those prayers. Every one of you have prayers. You've been praying for a long time. You've been faithful in prayer. But the answer has not come yet. In Zechariah's old age, he finally drew the lot. As a priest, you got to offer incense and offerings and sacrifices and all those things on a fairly regular basis. But you only one time in your life as a priest got to go to Jerusalem, into the temple, into the Holy of Holies and offer incense there. One time in your life. Zechariah was nearing the age where it looked like that chance was even going to miss him altogether. (laughs) But he drew the lot. Kind of like having your number in a big barrel and they pull it out. Hey, it had his name. Finally, before he dies, he gets to go do this. And so he goes to the temple and he, he, um, he goes. And he offers incense, and in the middle of that, an angel shows up. (laughs) Gabriel shows up. Now, common Jewish thought was that if an angel ever showed up in your life, this was not a good thing. I don't know exactly where they got that from, because most every episode I read in the scriptures of an angel showing up brought good news. (laughs) Uh, And most every angel that ever occurred comes and the first thing he says is do not be afraid (laughs) but nonetheless Jews believed it was not a good thing if an angel showed up in your life and here he is in the holy of holies where he had to be the holiest person he had ever been in his life in that situation you 
you feared the wrath of God if you misstepped in the Holy of Holies. And this angel of God shows up while he's offering incense in the temple holy place. And Gabriel says, do not fear, Zechariah. But he doesn't leave it there. He says, do not fear. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. Now, Zechariah, he didn't really believe it. I mean, how could he believe it? He believed. He preached the story about Abraham and Sarah. It's always easier for us, most of the time, wouldn't you say, to believe that God could do something for someone else. (laughs) But uh, would he do it for me? Uh, He preached that. He believed the Old Testament story of Abraham and Sarah, but when the angel told him it was going to happen in his life, he didn't believe that one. Now, unlike Abraham, Zechariah had been a better man. He didn't try to force God's will, force God's hand. He didn't go try to have children by some other woman like Abraham did with Hagar. Zechariah remained pure and blameless and holy and righteous. But he didn't believe it. And Zechariah is promised a son to his wife, Elizabeth. But more than that, he was told that this child would be the answer to another prayer. And you see, when you were the, the high priest that got to pray in the holy place, one of the prayers that you were required to pray was for, was for the coming Messiah. So that day when he went into the holy place to offer incense. He prayed that the Messiah would come, that they had been waiting for for centuries, that he would come. And Gabriel says, your son is going to be the forerunner of the Messiah. In other words, the prayer you prayed in there was heard and it's going to be answered and you get to be a part of that whole story. Now, the aorist Greek verb there indicates that the prayer that Zechariah prayed was one that was no longer being offered, but that was the one that was heard by God. In other words, Zechariah and Elizabeth had quit praying for a child many years before. They'd given up on that. They were moving on. They were going to just serve God faithfully. But the prayer that they had prayed decades earlier in their life was the prayer that was heard here uh, in this passage. And there's a lot of debate in scholars today in terms of, okay, which, which prayer is it? Was it the prayer for a child that was heard when Gabriel said, do not fear, your prayer has been heard? What prayer? Was it the prayer for a child or was it the prayer that he prayed in the temple for the Messiah to come? I want to tell you it was both. <laughs> But, specifically, it was a prayer for a child. God answered both prayers. The prayer for a child, late in his life, 
And God ended 400 years of silence with that angel coming and speaking into Zechariah's life. Sometimes the pain of unanswered prayer in our life, sometimes the pain of feeling like we have lost the lottery, the Christian lottery in life, drives us to fear praying bold prayers. We give up. We, we quit. Um, and we tend to go vague in our prayer life, or we tend to go small in our prayer life. We quit asking for anything God-sized. So today I want to appeal to you as Christians. I want to appeal to you not to allow disappointment with God because he hasn't answered some prayers the way you wanted him to or in the time that he wanted you to or how you wanted him to. Don't allow disappointment with God to keep you from praying bold prayers, big prayers, God-sized prayers. Keep praying. Secondly, I want to encourage you during those seasons when you are disappointed with God to choose to follow Him. Regardless of whether other Christians appear to have an easier road than you do, follow me. That's what Jesus says. Follow me. Don't have your eyes over here. Don't put your eyes over there. You follow me. That was the first words of Jesus to Peter on the lake. And those are some of the very last words Jesus spoke to Peter before he ascended into heaven. You must follow me. It doesn't matter what I do with John. You follow me. And in those seasons of discouragement, in those seasons of disappointment with God, keep obedient, remain faithful, and, uh, and righteous. Live your life to the glory of God, trust God, and choose each day of your life to live through the disappointment with God instead of living through it without Him. You will always be better off in your life with God than without Him. We're going to close this morning by singing their little Christmas chorus, Emmanuel, and they can come and, and prepare for that. But as we do that, I just want to pray a prayer for us today that God will help each one of us just to be faithful, to keep praying bold prayers, even if we're disappointed in them, keep praying them and to keep living for Jesus and following him.